Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Stand your crown, men. Stand your crown. So treasure your wife. Skip to the end. Have you the win? Here comes my Wesley now. Under you, Princess Barquap. Man and wife, say man and wife. Man and wife. Escort the bride to the honeymoon suite. I'll be there shortly. He didn't come. We made a decision to each other and a commitment that divorce was not an option for us, no matter what. It's just not an option. It's not an option to, to throw in the towel. There was a few times that I was going to give up, and I honestly, because at that time we didn't have Christ in our marriage, and I don't know what kept me there, honestly, like it was just this tug that I was supposed to be with this person. To throw it all away just seems uh, like a poor decision. Who am I to say, well, things aren't going so great now I walk? You know, if, if, I, if we're going to be together, we're going to be together in the good times and the bad times. That's just the way it's going to be. We have, we have no doubt that we're going to make it till we're old and have canes and wrinkles and yep. hemorrhoids. Yep. <laughs> you need to find something every single day in the other person, that you a positive thing that you can say about that person. Because when all you do is focus on all the negative things in your relationship, you're going to be down that road of destruction. We made a willful choice. You know, we were going to get through this and and um, stayed faithful to God. And sometimes when we weren't so faithful to God, He was still so faithful to us. And God didn't give up on us. I, at, at no point, we you stood in front of God and you made a vow, and and God made a vow to, to each and every one of us, and and He's been faithful. Um, we owe him at least that to, to, to stick it out because all things are, are possible through Christ. Um, it may feel like you can't do it. You probably can't, but, but he can. So we're in our final Sunday of our series from this day forward, and um, we're making five commitments. We're going to talk about that today, but I want to just kind of bring you into this by saying how many of you would admit publicly that you married someone that's pretty much opposite from you? Let me see your hands, right? They say that opposites attract during dating, and then they say when you get married, opposites attract, right? Because what was so cute when you were dating is not cute when you can't get away from it. See, that's the thing what I tell people all the time. Um, When you're dating, you go home. And you don't see all of this stuff. But when you're married, you are home. And it's there constantly reminding you uh, of what's going on. So let me just kind of get us in the right frame of mind. How many of you in your relationship, your marriage relationship, or if you're, you know, uh, engaged or whatever, how many of you are the prompt ones? You are the on-time people. Let me see your hands. Some of them couldn't even wait. Their hands were in the sky before I even got finished because they are so stinking on time. Now, that means the rest of you are kind of more creative with your time. Let me see which one. Y'all just, whenever you want to, pull your hand up because you can do whatever the heck you want to, right? That's right. All right. Uh, How many of you 
would say that, that in your marriage relationship, you like, you're the planners for trips. You plan things. You've got maps and you know where you're going to be, how much time, man. I'm checking out the, the time, the elapsed time on my, on my, if we were in a car, you know, got these nice little features and I got to have my average speed. Janie hates those things. Cause like, daddy, can I go to the bathroom? No, you hurt my average speed. Come on, hold it. Here's a cup. Uh, doesn't work so well when you got teenage girls. Um, so that means some of you, though, instead of the planners, you're like the ones that just kind of spin a bottle in whichever direction it points. You drive that way till you run out of gas. And you say, we're here. We've arrived. Yeah, you people make me crazy. <laughs> uh, when it comes to money, there's usually spenders and savers. Spenders. Spenders are the ones. Money is to have fun. It's for freedom. Let's go. I'm buying. How many spenders? Lord, God, make sure that the spenders see the joy basket today. Just hold it out there and wave it in front of them because we need a parking lot. And then the savers, oh my goodness, don't pass the joy basket by the savers. Oh my goodness. No, I might need that. So opposites attract, right, during dating. Here's the good news. The good news is different is good. I want you to say that different is good. Say it like you mean it. Different is good. Because here's the thing, if you were just like your spouse, then one of you isn't necessary. And God continually brings together opposites so that where one person is strong, the other person is weak. God does that on purpose. And when I go through premarital counseling with people, I see this all the time and I say, you know what God's doing? Because sometimes we'll get talking, they'll say, well, they do this and it makes me crazy. I say, well, here's the thing. God is bringing opposites together. And don't focus on those things that make you crazy. Focus on the things that attract you to the other person. Too often what happens is we have a little conflict and we don't ever resolve that little conflict. It grows into a bigger conflict. And then after a while, we don't even remember what the original conflict was. We just know we're mad and our point, we're going to get it across. We're bitter and we're not going to forgive. And people ask you why you're, why you're mad. I don't know, but he did something, right? <laughs> so before long, you wake up and there's two people who used to be so in love. And now they just kind of exist. And, and it makes me ask the question, how can somebody, two people that are so in love that every song on the radio makes sense, right? You're so in love that you want to buy stuffed walruses and little greeting cards and you want to leave notes to, you go to, to the courtroom and these people are duking it out over everything. That pencil's mine. My grandmother gave it to me. What? How did it get to that point? So, Here's what I want you to realize. God does not want that to happen and it doesn't have to happen. And that's why we've spent this five weeks looking at five commitments that we believe will fail proof your marriage. So I want you to say these with me. First one, what is the very first one? We said in week one, we're gonna seek God if we're married with our spouse every day. If you're not married, we're going to seek God as our number one while we allow God to bring us our number two. If you're looking for the one and you put a human being there, that becomes an idol and you will not be satisfied because God created you for more than a human being to fill your soul. He created you for the risen savior to fill your soul. You put your spouse there, you'll be severely disappointed. But you put God there as your number one and you put your spouse as number two. Watch what God does. It will be incredible in your marriage. All right, second commitment. What is it there? Fight for the relationship. Fight for resolution, not for victory. Because when, when you fight, when one of you wins the fight, you both lose. Can I hear and I know that's right? Thank you. Third commitment, what is it? One of my favorite weeks. 
Have fun face to face, side to side, and somebody help me out. What's the other one? Belly button to belly button. If you don't know what that is, we have a whole set of uh, marriage series CDs out there. And, uh, and uh, if you're in the car, drop the kids off first before you put that seat in because you will be answering lots of questions. What's the fourth commitment? And, and really, the most graphic thing we said last week was we don't want any dog manure in our chicken pot pie, right? So not even a speck. You wouldn't eat that if I said, oh, there's just a little in there. You wouldn't eat it, right? No. So why do we allow impurity, poison, into our marriages through impurity? Why is that? If you're not going to eat something physically, why would you spiritually, emotionally allow impurity to impact your relationship? Now, today is never give up. And so... uh, We're going to talk about commitment today, but I don't mean staying in a marriage where you're being physically abused. I'm not talking about staying in a marriage where there's illegal activity going on that endangers you or your children. In those situations, I counsel that it's it's probably good to separate, get some major counseling. We'll figure out what's going on before you ever... Uh, renew the marriage and move back in together. I'm not talking about anybody being a punching bag. I'm not talking about illegal activity. Uh, But what happens a lot of times is we've practiced over and over in our marriage, in our dating relationships, divorcing because we do married things before we're married. And then when we break up, it's like a divorce. We've practiced that. So when marriage gets tough, we run away. I'm talking about being committed. Now, some of you, some of you had a marriage that ended in divorce, and I don't want you to feel guilty today. Because quite honestly, a lot of you did everything you could do and somebody else didn't help you and they walked away and you feel guilt over that. You've already felt a lot of guilt. So I don't want you to feel guilt today. We're talking about a God of a second chance uh, is going to help you become the person he wants you to be. Others of you, um, if you're quite honest, you look back at your life and you say, there was a lot of stuff I did in that marriage that was wrong. If I had to do it over, I would do it differently, but you can't go back. So I don't want you looking back. You carry the weight of that, but we're not going to look back because the the name of this series is From This Day Forward. So no matter what happened, no matter whether you're divorced once, 10 times, no matter if you've never been married, you just had a series of of bad relationships, from this day forward, we're going to become Christ followers, fully devoted followers of Jesus who try to seek him first and serve him with everything that we have. And some of you don't believe it's possible, but, but if you don't believe God can do something in your life, you're calling him a liar because God said, Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. So it is possible. Now, just for fun, kind of to get us in, into the spirit of this, this uh, message, because it's going to get a little heavy, I wanted to have you laugh a little bit. So one of my favorite actual wedding um, videos that I've seen... Uh, <laughs> I know there, in fact, there's one out to, uh, there's another video of this couple out where they talk about their lives and how they're making it and how they're doing well. One of my favorite videos about, uh, of a wedding, watch this and enjoy. Andrew placed the ring on Melissa's hand and repeat after me. Andrew Paul Daniel Ingstrom. I'm not putting it on the wrong way. There we go. I, Andrew Paul Daniel Ingstrom. I, Andrew Paul Daniel Ingstrom. 
Do take Melissa Renee Warren. Do take Melissa Renee Warren. To be my lawfully wedded wife. To be my waf- lawfully. <laughs> and pancakey. <laughs> I've been scared of this all my life. Just give her a second. It's okay, folks. I've seen this before. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, Andrew Paul. See man and wife. The court will take a recess. So, like, dude, if I'm doing your wedding and you mess up the words, I am not going to keep repeating it. I, Andrew Dan Poilingstrom, you know, we're just going to have fun and keep going. I think you should laugh. <laughs> but that's one of my favorite. Man, she gets going and she just can't stop. So, now. Jesus is approached in Matthew chapter uh, 19 by some Pharisees, and he has a very interesting conversation about marriage. So verse 3 reads this, this way. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, you got to understand what's going on here. In this culture, women were seen as property. That is not a biblical view. It's not how God intended for it to happen. But humans always pervert the things of God, and the relationship between men and women had been perverted. As property, women had the same value or rights. They were considered like animals. You've got your cow, you've got your goat, you've got your wife. That is not scriptural, so don't go quote that. Don't put that little phrase up, you know, and and say, that's what the preacher said. Uh, This was just the reality at the time, and so a man could just say any time, he could look at his wife and say, I want to divorce you, and he had to give her a little written certificate, I divorce you, you're no longer my wife. Now, the Pharisees knew this, and they were trying to discredit Jesus. Now, this is is a, a big deal, because I want you to realize, put up that picture if you would, Travis. In the region of Perea, now you see the Jordan River is coming right down here in the middle, and over here is Samaria. This is a different map, but I just want you to understand where Perea is. It is on the east side of the Jordan River. Now, what's significant about this is Herod Antipas is a tetrarch. Herod the Great was his father, and when Herod the Great died, they divided his kingdom into parts, and Herod Antipas was one of the the kings, and his tetrarchy was Perea. Now, why this is significant is because just a little while before Jesus got there, Herod Antipas has John the, head, John, the headed, John the Baptist beheaded. Do you know why? Because Herod was married to his brother's wife. He convinced his brother's wife to leave her husband to come and marry him. And so 
she was committing adultery, incest, several different things. And, and John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a crazy man. John the Baptist walking around going, you have your brother's r- wife. It's not right before God. And he was condemning him publicly. So Herod's wife, um, she took the name Herodias. Um, she didn't like what he was saying. And so one time her daughter danced for the king. Uh, she pleased the king and he said, whatever you want up to half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. Herodias calls her daughter over and says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. So she announces it in front of the, the guests and because the guests were there, Herod said, I cannot go back on my word. So he chops off John the Baptist's head because John the Baptist said, you're married to a woman. It is not lawful for you to have and God condemns it. So you talk about stirring the pot. The Pharisees are asking Jesus where Herod is the king and they're trying to get him in trouble, okay? So now, here's what's going on in the, in the Jewish nation. There are two popular rabbis who were on the opposite ends of the spectrum when it came to divorce. There's one rabbi who said, you can divorce for any reason, even if you don't like the way she looks. Get up in the morning, maybe the barn hadn't been painted, and he says, I don't like the way you look, and he can divorce her. Now, on the opposite end of the scale was another popular rabbi, and this rabbi said, oh, absolutely not. The only reason, the only biblical reason for you to divorce is if your wife has been unfaithful sexually. Now, notice, nowhere in there did I say that the wife had the right to divorce the husband because the the women didn't have any rights at this time. So they were trying to get Jesus in trouble with the king, with all of the, the Jewish people. And, and I think the Pharisees were kind of patting themselves on the back because this was a clever argument. Man, we got Jesus right where we want him. Now, if you know anything about the Bible and you've ever heard any stories about Jesus, does anybody ever have Jesus right where they want him? No, and they end up looking foolish. And, and you know, Satan thought he had the best of Jesus when he, when he um, had the, the Romans and the Jews nail Jesus to the cross, but how did that work out for him? The worst event in history, God turned into the best event in history when he raised Jesus from the dead as the savior of the world. So nobody ever has Jesus where they want him. So what Jesus does shocks everybody because he doesn't get involved in all the political political argument. He raises the standard. And this is what he always did. When people ask Jesus a question, he didn't answer the way that, that they thought he would. He always raises the standard. So here he raises the standard for marriage and for divorce. Here's what he says. Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, this was a huge slap because the Pharisees were, were uh, the religious leaders. Haven't you read the scriptures? Now they wanted him in the rabbi controversy. They wanted him to get in trouble with the king, but Jesus is God in a bod. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew what the question was going to be. He had thought out his response before he ever talk to them. And Jesus didn't care about the political argument. He didn't care about man's opinion. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, let's look at God's opinion. And that's a good thing for all of us to do. When somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, what do you think about this? The smartest thing you can do as a Christ follower is say, let's look at what God says. Let's go to God's word. So look what Jesus did. He said, the scriptures, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. By the way, what were their names? Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, all right? This is significant, all right? You've probably heard that before. God made them male and female for a reason. This is big. Jesus is quoting this here, all right? I'm not just making this up. He said, God made them male and female, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Let me stop right here. Too many marriages, the husband has not left mommy. He has mommy issues, and so the wife is competing with the idea of his mom. You're wrong. Grow up. Cut the apron strings. 
Because the highest human relationship, according to God the Father, is the husband and the wife. Higher than the the parents and the children. Higher than than your parents with you. Grow up and, and, and be the man that God wanted you to be. Too many men, <laughs> and I just, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, the same man and wife, same man and wife. That's the highest relationship. I like what he says. Since they are no longer two, but one, and I quote this every, every uh, wedding I do. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together, or what God has joined together, let no man separate. Uh, Tony Evans is one of my favorite preachers to listen to, and, and he always says, have you ever noticed that people go to the church house to get married, but they go to the courthouse to get a divorce? They don't come back before God. He says, we need to stay in the church and work things out. Now, um, Jesus is not saying that you no longer have a personality when you become married. He's not saying you no longer have gifts or you no longer have an identity. He's clearly saying that the two are now united in one flesh in God's eyes. And he says, let no one split apart. Somebody help me out. Let no one split apart what? What God has joined together. All right. Casey and Jessica, y'all did so good. Come here. Turn up the lights a little bit. Just turn on all of the the fluorescence there. Come here. Come here. Like, Like today. Look at me like this. Now, come up here. Everybody say, hi, Casey and Jessica. Take this. Casey and Jessica are related to me. I didn't know they were going to be up here, so this is really funny that they were on the front row, but, but they did it right. They, um, they dated for years. They, they did not engage in sexual activity. They were pure. They're still pure. In God's eyes, they're still pure, even though they're married and they, we won't even talk about what they've done um, because that might be embarrassing. But here's, I want to I illustrate this. Now, here's, here's what sex is intended to do. It's intended to bond us together with another person. So take your, they're, they're sticking their thumbs on it. Okay. Watch this. Stick them together all the way top to bottom. Squeeze them. All right. Now, when a person has sex with another person, they are bonded together emotionally and spiritually. What happens is when we have sex before marriage, we're bonded with that person. And when we try to get apart from them, it is very painful. Try to rip those apart. Help her. No. Janie and I have done this, and Janie said, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm pulling her this way, and she's pulling me this way. What's the problem? That doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. She has lotion on her hands. She probably smells good. All right? Come on, keep going. Uh oh. Keep going. We're waiting. I got all day, man. So if we keep on going, what's going to happen to the tape? It's going to rip apart. Is that going to be painful for the tape? Y'all can sit down. Thank y'all. So it's very, very painful, and here's what happens. We, we bond with more and more people, and then we try to rip apart from more and more people. So when we finally get married, we're not even the whole person that God intended for us to be. Now, I've told you, we, we serve a God of second, third, thousandth, thousandth, say that, thousandth, 999 million chances. And God is a God of grace. And I believe you can have spiritual virginity restored by God the Father. But you can't go back and undo physically. Because we're, we're one. Now, here's what happens is, and, and just for argument's sake, let's say that this is an individual that goes around and, and has sex with different people. So just, just for argument's sake, has their... Has their... 
Oops. Picking on all guys. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Now, what happens to duct tape after you've stuck it on several things and then pulled it back off? It's not sticky. And something that was intended by God your father to glue your marriage and your relationship together is no longer sticky. It's no longer even sacred. It's no longer special. Do you see the wisdom of God in telling you to wait? And, and I don't care if you say you love them. God says, wait until you're married. You want to be pure in God's eyes. You remain pure until marriage because you can't unwon what God has made one. Andy Stanley says that all the time. You can't unwon what God has made one. And see, the real problem in our culture is we don't understand what marriage is. People in America think that marriage is a contract, but it's not. Marriage is a covenant. Say marriage is a covenant. Now, let's talk about the difference in these two. A contract is based on mutual distrust. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. Now, here's another difference. A contract limits my responsibility and increases my rights. I didn't put that on your listening guide, but you may want to write that down. A contract limits my responsibility and it increases my rights. It basically says that we're in a contract with one another and as long as you do what you're supposed to and as long as I do what I'm supposed to, we're staying in a contract. Now, Janie and I last year bought this little duplex and so when somebody wants to rent my duplex, they have to fill out an application, I check their work history and then they have to sign a contract. Why? I don't owe them. I don't know if they're going to pay rent or not. I don't trust them. They don't trust me. So the contract increases our rights. I can go to court. In fact, I've had to do that to evict somebody. And, and the guy said, well, I didn't pay rent, your honor. And the, honor. and the judge said, you didn't pay rent? He goes, no, but. And he goes, don't give me any buts. It says right here, rent is due on the first day of the month. I judge in, uh, in favor of the plaintiff. You have this much time to get out and you owe him this much money. Because it was in the contract. He said, I can only go on what's written. A contract describes our rights, and as long as you do what you're supposed to, and as long as I do what I'm supposed to, then, then we're good. We're going to stay in it. In a nutshell, that's what marriage is in America. As long as you make me happy, I'm in. As long as nothing better comes along, I'm in. But if you don't live up to your end of the bargain, I am out in a hurry. Now, marriage is not a contract. I don't care what lawyers have said. It's a what? covenant. A covenant limits my rights and increases my responsibilities. You see the difference? A covenant limits my rights, increases my responsibility, and it's supposed to be a permanent relationship. And the Hebrew word that is translated covenant is the word berith, B-E-R-I-T-H. Literally, it means a cutting. And in the Old Testament, what they would do to, to establish a covenant, they would cut a bull in half, they would lay the two pieces to the side, and then they would walk through the bull seven times to establish their covenant, and then they would say, every time they passed through, they would say, may God do to me what we did to this bull if we do not fulfill our covenant. Is that kind of serious, you think? As I'm walking between the halves of a dead bull, and I'm saying, God, I, I want you to split me apart if I don't If I don't live up to my commitment, that's a pretty big, serious deal. So in the Old Testament, when people would get married, they would often go to a representative of God and they would stand before him and he would take out a blade and he would cut their hand until it would bleed. Cut the grooms, cut the brides, and then they would mix 
the blood together. Why? Because in Leviticus, it says the life of the person is in the blood. The life is in the blood. They would literally mix life. And then when they would mix that together, the the priest would take a rope or a cord and he would tie their hands together to symbolize this is a covenant for life. You do not separate what God has joined together. You don't un-one what God has made one. So, what I want you to realize is uh, you need to be married before God. Some of you went to the justice of the peace and that's okay and, and you still have a choice. If you still have a choice, I think you need to be married before God. Uh, because it's... If, if you're really serious about your commitment, what's wrong with, with standing before God and saying, this is all about you, God, and we want you involved in our relationship so stand before a pastor in church and, and answer to God and say something like this. This is what I said. My brother was the pastor and he said, Doug, do you take Janie to be your wife, to have and to hold? Somebody help me out. What was the next part? From this day forward, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, forsaking all others, being faithful to her as long as she makes you happy. Is that what he said? No. Uh, no, as long as she fulfills her part of the deal. As long as nobody better comes along. No. no, what he said was, as long as you both shall live. So do you know what the expiration date is on your marriage? Yes. Your expiration. <laughs> when you cease breathing, you no longer are part of the covenant. Billy Graham's wife was asked one time if she ever thought about divorce, and she answered just straight up. She said, divorce, no, murder, yes, because... <laughs> She knew it was till death do his part. And she's figuring, you know, if, if, if I can kill him, I'm out, right? You know? <laughs> On a contract, there's an end date. You rent this house for a year. At the end of the year, you don't have to fulfill the contract anymore. But a covenant is until death do us part. So help me God. That's why you never give up. To get divorced because you've, you've run out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. Doesn't work anymore. <laughs> What's wrong? Doesn't, doesn't work. It ran out of gas. What do you do when your car runs out of gas? You fill it up, idiot. If you've run out of love, you know what you need to do? Fill it up, idiot. You go back to what you used to do. I don't know anybody that gets married without love somewhere in their past, right? You go back and do the things you used to do. Well, I don't feel like it. What do you do when you don't feel like it? You do it anyway. Well, you're exactly where God wants you when you don't feel like it because when you seek God, he will love that person through you. When you seek God, he will forgive that person through you. And, and what, you're, what you're trying is you're seeking God with all your heart and you're hoping to love and you're just not getting anywhere. So here's the simple answer. And it's so simple, some of you are going to blow it off. It comes from Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to seek, to please the spirit, remember all the way back in week one, we said we're going to seek God with everything that we have. Those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So you remember the, the, the principle of planting and harvesting. If, you're, if you've been in church anytime, it's sowing and reaping. Planting and harvesting. Number one, you harvest what you plant. This is so simple, you're going you're gonna to overlook this. But if I plant 
um, an apple seed, am I going to get an orange tree? Yes. Yes. No, no. Only in somebody's messed up world. Um, I'm going to get an apple tree because that's what the seed is. The life is in the seed. If someone smiles at you, what are you likely to do back? Smile back at them. You harvest what you plant. If somebody flips you off, what are you likely to do back? Pray for them that God would have mercy on their souls because we just been to church. No, if somebody flips you off, don't you flip them off back. Wearing your NLCC is weird t-shirt. Come join us. Don't you do that. But if somebody flips you off, you're, you're like, what? Or if somebody says those words, what? Right? You're likely to react in, in a bad way. So all I'm saying is you get back what you put out. In marriage, if someone shows grace and compassion and thoughtfulness, what are you likely to show back to them? Grace and, and, and compassion and thoughtfulness. If someone is always complaining and comparing and critical over and over and over, what's going to happen? You're likely you're going to punch them. Did somebody say that? Wow, and then you're going to jail. There are women in jail for domestic violence. I've, I've seen their mugshots. Now, guys, guys especially, listen, you harvest what you plant, and don't miss this. Women are multipliers. Women are multipliers, all right? What that means is whatever you give them, they multiply. You have a bachelor pad. She comes over. All of a sudden, things start matching, and they smell good. What happened? She multiplied. You know, it doesn't smell like you used to. You give her groceries. You're used to like spam or macaroni and cheese, and that's the whole deal. That's what I lived on in college, macaroni and cheese, because it was 30 cents a box. No, it was less than that back then. Anyway, that's what I lived on. And then, then all of a sudden, Janie comes in my life, and I give her macaroni and cheese, and it's a whole casserole, and it's better than anything I could have imagined. They multiply. You give them flowers and affection and communication and tenderness in your heart, they're going to give you some belly button to belly button. <laughs> Somebody t- say, I know that's right. Ladies, that true? Don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me hanging. Two of you. Okay. (laughs) You other ladies, you know what? You know I'm telling the truth. You give them physical love, they're going to give you a kid because they multiply. You give them a lot of love, you may get six kids because they multiply. Guys, you give them hard time, they're going to give you hell because they're going to multiply. They are going to reflect back to you what you have given out to them, what you've planted. So bottom line, Here's, here's the bottom line. If you don't like what you have in your marriage, look at what you've been given. Look at what you've been planting. And I'm willing to bet it's not the other person. I'm willing to bet you have planted some things that you need to do hard work of uprooting and you need to do some replanting. Examine what you've been planting. So that's the first thing. You will harvest what you plant. Second is you harvest where you plant. I want you to say that out loud. Thanks, y'all are playing good today. If I plant a seed over here, am I going to get my plant over here? No. It's going to, if I plant all of my energy in my hobbies, is that going to help my marriage be better? I may be better at golf or hunting or fishing or knitting or gardening, but it's not going to help my marriage. If I plant all of my energy in my kids and we become child-centered parents, is that going to help my marriage? No, and it's going to raise some bad kids too. If I put all of my energy into my work, is that going to help my marriage? Many of you have been planting in the wrong place. And that's why your marriage sucks. You haven't been seeking God because you told me. You've not been fighting fair because you've told me. You've not been having fun because you've told me. You've not been staying pure. You've told me. Is it any wonder you, you, you feel like giving up? You're not doing the right things. 
So I want you to write this down. My marriage is as good as we decide it is. See the keywords there? Circle those keywords. We decide. Janie and I have the same problems you do. We've just decided that we're going to seek God every day together. We're going to fight fair. We're not going to try to win. We're going to try to resolve whatever's going on. We've decided we're going to have fun. We're not going to tell you a lot about it because my kids are in here. We decided we're going to stay out of trouble and, and we're going to stay pure because we don't want poison in our marriage. But the key is it takes both of us. And I just got to tell you something. I like my wife. I like hanging out with her. And if I have to choose between you and her, I'm going to choose her. And if you're one of those people that you're always choosing other people instead of your spouse, you got problems. And you're planting in the wrong place. And if you are married, it's not going to last long. And if you're not married, please don't get married. Don't do that. Now, before we close out today, some of you are saying, yeah, blah, 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 blah. I still don't feel like it. I still don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't feel like showing grace. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like working on it. I don't feel like staying married. I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. Now, let me ask you, big boy, what other area of your life can you just not feel like it and get away with that? Well, I don't feel like working this year because I'm tired of working. I'm just going to stay at home. What's your boss going to say? Stay at home. Well, I don't feel like taking care of my kids anymore. I get tired of the baby crying all the time. My kids, you know, needy, needy, needy. And I'm tired of going to the bathroom with a crowd. I just don't want to be a parent anymore. What do you do? You suck it up and you become a parent. Well, I don't feel like paying my taxes. I'm sick of taxes. I don't want to pay my taxes anymore. Is that going to work? Not for long. They will find you. You get over your feelings and you do what's right. With God's power, you do what's right. And, and I'm not saying that you hold on to a terrible marriage and you say, okay, we're going to stay married and it's going to be horrible. No, no, no. I'm saying you obey scripture because here's what scripture said. We just read this, just the last part of the verse. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Could it be that it's not yet the time? Because when people come to me, they've been planting the wrong things for a long time, and then they wonder why their marriage is horrible. You got to uproot that stuff, and that takes time, and it takes counseling, and it takes lots of effort, and some people just don't want to put forth the effort. But if you'll take that up, and you'll start planting the right seeds, what could God do with you and your spouse? Totally, totally transform your marriage. If you keep seeking God and you keep fighting fair, you keep having fun, you keep staying pure and you never ever give up. You confess sin when you need to confess sin. You work through things. You get counseling. You, you share with your small group. And if you're not in a small group, I'm going to tell you, it's breaking my heart because I've got to have a new small group this year. We're breaking up our small group. Joe and, and John are breaking up their small group. We have to because you need to be in a small group because you grow best in a group of believers who are seeking the Lord. And, and I, I almost, I'm telling you, my heart aches because I'm not going to see my same group that I had last year because we had an incredible year, right? We did. And they are very near to my heart and we're going to keep doing stuff together, but I have to start a new small group because I need that with more people. And quite honestly, you will not become the Christian that God wants you to be until you're attached to a small group. I say this all the time. You can worship in a crowd, but you cannot fellowship in this crowd. It's not going to happen. 
So we're going to try to get you to attach to a group. And sometimes you're going to have to say, like one of the couples did in our group, one night we spent the whole time talking about what was going on in their marriage because all of a sudden it just came out. And it was one of the, one of the most impressive God moments that I've experienced in the last year because God's spirit invaded that place. And as we loved them and as we prayed for them, God started doing a work in their heart. And that's what I want for all of you. And uh, you, you may have to take three steps forward and sometimes two steps back, but you hit, put your head back down, you get back in the game because this isn't, a, this isn't a contract. This is a covenant before God and we want to last. The possibilities are endless if you'll do this thing God's way. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? All I've been hearing this whole series is, is pain because people aren't doing marriage like they're supposed to. So I just got a question for you. When, when are you going to decide to do things God's way? Today? Next year? After this marriage ends and you're in, in the middle of another marriage that you're not doing right? If I could, I would, I would make that decision for you, but I can't. It's time you made some decisions. If you're single and not married, oh my goodness, do not get married if it's not God's timing because it's worse to be married and lonely than to be single and lonely. Somebody get serious about doing relationships God's way. Father, as we close out this whole series, we just ask that you get the glory as you resurrect marriages, as you prepare couples for marriage, as you repair couples, and as you maximize those who are okay, but they just need to be a little bit better. And then God, when people ask us, we're gonna point them to you because our power couldn't have done it. It must be the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And you'll get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.